Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Have you checked your portfolio recently? Uh, and I don't mean the one where your actual money is. I'm talking about your Penn State football player stock portfolio. We took stock after week one, Penn State's win over uh, Purdue. Now, a month into the season, we're going to reassess, reevaluate the stock up, stock down of the players that are playing well. And the ones, maybe they're taking a back seat. It's coming up today on the BWI Daily Edition. Hey, it's T. Frank. That means on Wednesday, by the way, riding solo here, that uh, practice, Penn State practice, open practice happens today. So check out YouTube if you're here uh, watching the show. Great. You probably can go check out the Penn State football highlights from practice. If you're listening on our podcast version, hop over to our YouTube channel, check those out. So that's just a free promo for some cool content that we get each week going to see Penn State practice, highlighting the players that are important for the Nittany Lions. Coming up today on the BWI Daily Edition, like we talked about, it's stock up and stock down. One month of the season in, we know much more about this team than we did, although you can always argue that we don't know everything because they haven't played all the players and all the teams on their schedule. So we're going to go through individually the five players on offense and defense that are playing the best. And then we'll lump the players that are not playing as well together offensively and defensively. So we got a lot of names to get through today. We've got a lot of stuff to get through today. One last thing before we get this uh, started, please like the video. Please help us out here on the YouTube channel. Keep growing uh, our stock, which has been going up and up and up ever since we started. But as we all know, the investors, they're, they're never satisfied. It's like, yeah, oh, you've, yeah, you've done enough. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. Always need more. With that in mind, number five here on our stock up, we have the freshman running backs. Now, this might be con uh, a controversy for some of you, depending on what you thought of them coming into the season. They have been not just good. They have been ahead of expectations for both players, Katron Allen uh, and uh, Nick Singleton. Nick Singleton, the explosive player who's creating ginormous chunk plays, changing the tenor and the abilities of the offense. And then Katron Allen, who's come in and been just really good at all of the football things. So coming in at number five, the, the, here's the thing. They're not number one because the tide was pretty high for these guys from spring through summer and training camp. That said, they still have exceeded expectations. And that's really kind of what this list is going to be based on is guys that have exceeded or that have not met expectations for them coming into the year. And despite how much uh, anticipation there was around these guys, they've still, I think, exceeded expectations. Another guy who has exceeded expectations, but maybe in one area over another is right guard Salim Wormley. It's interesting because we came into training camp talking about Wormley in a competition at right guard with Hunter Norzad. And suddenly it was more like, well, you know, he's really competing with uh, Landon Tangwell on the other side. Salim Wormley has changed the ability of this offense to run 
certain plays, especially when they're pulling offensive linemen. He's one of Penn, Penn State's best pullers on plays where he's securing blocks, kicking out defensive ends, opening up holes for those freshman running backs we just talked about. They can't shine without him doing his job. Now, he struggled more in pass protection, especially recently. Last couple of weeks have been some of his lower uh, you know, performances in that area. But overall, he's been good. You know, you can operate in that pocket because for the most part, he's giving a clean look for the quarterback. And when he's losing, he's not losing bad. But there are times where in, you know, true passing situations, third down, third and seven, he has struggled at times in space, especially when teams can get him to overset out a little bit and they can get inside on him. But by far, not the worst problem in that area on the Penn State offensive line. So he's coming in strong at uh, number four through the first month of the season. And really those two groups to start here have changed the way Penn State can play offense because the running game is healthy and they can do a bunch of different things. And that's really important. We've I've hammered that through the first couple of weeks here that um, what they're able to do is so much more complex and diverse than it has been in the past. So we'll see if that can continue and we'll check uh, the stock in a little bit to see if this, uh, this all held up. Coming in at number three, you can't have the Penn State offensive line getting better without a left tackle that's playing really well. Now, I don't think Olaf Ashano is getting enough credit for what he can do in the ground game because it's not quite consistent yet. Um, that's one area it's lagging behind, but what is not lagging behind is his pass protection. He has been excellent in pass protection. I believe he's only given up four pressures all season, no quarterback hits, and he has been as advertised, athletic, smooth, strong. He's able to adjust, get back into plays, and rarely gets beat like we just talked about. So your left tackle is secure. Your right guard is pulling. I mean, we're, we're building a classic offensive line for the Nittany Lions. They're rotating at left guard. Juice Gruggs is playing well, but kind of in that vein of ex expected. Like, he's a good football player. He hasn't been playing out of his mind good. And then the right tackle situation is, it exists. You know, there's two of them. They're playing. Uh, so we'll see how that goes throughout the rest of the season, if that shakes out any differently. But coming in at number two, this guy, I think, is to me, is the biggest surprise. And I know that a five-star freshman quarterback, a lot of people were expecting him to be great. But this was one of the situations I said, if he comes in and plays really well, he's a unicorn. And all I'm saying is I'm starting to see a horn grow out of the middle of his forehead. I don't know that he's a unicorn yet, but I'm starting to suspect. He has been, when he comes onto the football field, he's been really good. I'll read you off some of these things. He's completed 12 of 19 passes for 163 yards. He's only completed 12 passes, and people are drooling over them because 10 of them have been for first downs. There have been the wow throws. The last one was to Liam Clifford in between zones, and I know that it just went for 12, 15 yards, but that anticipation to hit a tight window two defenders closing the ball sails between their hands into a receiver on the second level. Those are the, the, Oh wow. Sort of plays that he's shown since the very first time he stepped on the field against Purdue. And then of course, when he got extended playing time versus Ohio and, and showed, you know, the deep ball, some of his decision-making, it's just all been good. I, well, that's not true. Some of it hasn't been good. Some of it has been, he seems to still at times, have consistent accuracy issues, but I think that's more tied to if he's not sure what he's seeing on a play. It seems that those plays seem to come when there's a little bit of hesitation, but when he's confident and in rhythm, 
Watch out. And he's the backup quarterback. He made it to number two, and he's the backup quarterback. He hasn't even seen the field in a start or any situation like that. So uh, we'll see how that stock continues through the season now that they get into Big Ten play. But an early preview of Northwestern is, for me, as long as they can score points early, he's going to see the field again this this week. So, um, And you might know that because they, they lost to Southern Illinois. Uh, so Northwestern not coming in as a scary, dangerous team at this point, but everyone is always afraid of that let up game or that game that nobody's expecting. That might've been central Michigan. Who knows coming in at number one though. And I don't think that there's really any, there's not really an argument for this in terms of breakout performance, playing above expectation and really playing to your potential. And that is Brenton strange. Some of the stuff is everything we've expected of him or that I've expected of him throughout his career. 10 yards after the catch per reception. He's averaging 10 extra yards on plays. Now, a lot of that is built off some big catches where he ran for touchdowns and really long plays, but 140 yards after the catch and 211 total yards both lead the Big Ten. And he's pulling as a, as a, his weight as a run blocker. So, literally pulling at times. He's been great in those situations. Penn State going to these man fronts, condensed formations, relying on the tight ends. He's been the guy that's been the most consistent, and he's been the guy that's been the best. And that combination of run blocking and receiving is what is supposed to make this offense go. When you're running two tight end sets, the reality that if you play the the wrong players or you play the wrong scheme or your guys are in the wrong spot, you've got dangerous weapons that can you can change the play and you can throw to them and they can get 10 yards after the catch. It hasn't all happened that way in particular. You know, there's been some broken plays and he's done some great things just getting the ball in his hands and letting him run. But as a former receiver, 250 pounds, runs a, a solid 40, everything that it just took a little bit longer for him to get there, right? And, and maybe that's the path for Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren because those guys have not yet caught up to Strange, despite the fact that they might have more ability than than Brenton Strange does in terms of overall physical potential, whether that's strength or speed or length or any of those things. But Brenton Strange, the breakout player of the offense, outside the freshman that you know we started the list with, uh, exceeding expectations here. And it, as a freshman, it's, you, it's hard to have expectations when we've never seen you play, which is going to come up a little bit later. But I hate doing this part, the stock down. And uh, we'll get to these players here as a group, the stock down here. Um, I'm going to call an audible, and I'm just going to wipe the bottom two off the list. I was looking through my notes before the show, and Mitchell Tinsley, Kevon Lee, we're not going to really get into those guys. But Landon Tangwall, Tyler Warren, and the third receiver really are the situations that are stocked down so far. Lee was injured, and the game against Ohio, I don't think you can really count against him because that situation was a veteran rest day, basically, where the, the young guys took over. They have taken over, but uh, and Mitchell Tinsley had a rougher game last week, but has still been good. It's really the function of the top three that I think are are kind of a frustration here. And I'm starting to wonder if there's an injury situation with Landon Tangwall because he does not look like the same player we saw last year. We only saw him in small bits, but against Arkansas, strong at the point of attack, confident moving people off the ball, Seemed like, you know, all the things that you were hoping for and you saw from him as a freshman on on film from high school was advanced for his age. None of that has really progressed, it seems, at this point. He does not look advanced for his age anymore. He looks his age now. 
So that is kind of readjusting expectations as much as it is finding more information out about Landon Dengwall. I told you all last year, we don't know what we don't know. And then I spent all offseason being excited about his talent and potential and talking him up here on the show. So it, it's a function of the two things, right? Of expectation, getting out of hand in the offseason, but also not playing to what you were expecting, given what you saw from him last season. And that's what leads me back to, is, is there some sort of injury this offseason? Because I know that Penn State said that their offensive line was banged up throughout the spring and they really all couldn't go. So it's hard to get even in the blue-white game. That's why they changed the blue-white game. Now, he played in that game. But does that mean he wasn't there throughout most of the spring? And is that issue lingering? These are open-ended questions because I'm a little mystified by by his ability uh, so far throughout the season because, you know, the stats say one thing. If you look at his advanced analytics of only allowing four pressures, but they have not been good. The eyeball test has not been good, but he has been fighting through all of these things that we're talking about through some of the uh, struggles in the run game to be consistent. And he, I think he's not the worst player on the offensive line, which is, you know, that's they've been executing and getting to their blocks and playing well as a unit. He's not terrible. It's just, I was expecting, especially here on the show, talking about higher highs and lower lows for mental mistakes and really great plays. We haven't really seen the high highs from Landon Tangwall. So the baseline is kind of, or the, the ceiling has kind of crept down throughout the season. And I'm hoping for him that there's a bounce back coming as he gets more comfortable at that position and he can kind of get his sea legs underneath him. But the number one position, uh, spent a little bit too much time talking about that one, the top two are really kind of some issues for the Nittany Lions with, with Theo Johnson injured and not playing. Tyler Warren got an expanded opportunity. He saw seven targets. He caught four and dropped two. So he almost dropped as many as he caught. But the real disappointment I have is that his run blocking hasn't been as good. And that's, a, again, a step backward where we saw really positive things from him last year. I thought he did a good job last year of being a, a run blocker and developing in that area. And then when you see something good, you expect a step forward, but things are never linear, right? We, we expect linear progression, and that's not happened so far for Tyler Warren. And with Theo Johnson coming back, and he looked pretty good. You know, he looked good blocking. I wouldn't say great, but he executed his blocks that he needed to. And in, in that in that third quarter want to call it a comeback, I guess, where Penn State was ahead, but finally sealed the deal. He was in there making some plays and and looking good. So does Tyler Warren see fewer snaps now? And does, does Theo Johnson break out from here? That tight end too, even though I think Warren really is, is a, a blend of both guys, he can play either of Penn State's positions. He probably is going to see fewer snaps. He's going to see fewer targets because you now have that third guy back. So I'm interested to see how that shakes out going forward. And then the number one thing that we've been harping on here is that if Purdue and Ohio and Central Michigan don't respect your team speed on offense, you have a problem. And if you can't throw them out of it and you can't get wide open, that third receiver position has been Everyone has had a crack at it now, as Nate Bauer said earlier this week. Everyone's had an opportunity, and no one has really done anything with it. There's been a couple plays here, a couple plays there, but consistency um, and getting open and making deep, deep passing plays. All these things are the kind of the job of that position, considering what Penn State has in Mitchell Tinsley, who we removed from the board, and uh, from Parker Washington. I still think the quarterback is a part of this, but two for t 15 
in deep incompletions. I talked about that this week in a couple of different places. That's not all a quarterback stat. The, the receivers have to bear some responsibility for that, for not giving good looks to Clifford. So that'll do it. The stock up and stock down for the Nittany Lions on offense. Just to give you a recap here, come in and at number five are the freshman running backs. Salim Wormley at number four. Olafashanu at number three. Drew Aller, everyone's favorite quarterback, number two. And Bretton Strange coming in at number one. Now let's get to the defense. And I, I looking at the numbers here, they look great. And I know that the PFF stats are out there and everything's been tweeted out about how good Deny Dennis Sutton has been. And he has been. Uh, five of his 11 pressures and two of his sacks came in garbage time on one drive last week. Now, he absolutely wrecked those players. And that was the starting line for Central Michigan that did not have a good day overall, but really, really struggled when Dennis Sutton got in the game. We need to see him against in meaningful, meaningful playing time earlier in games but he has been earning that playing time. That's where I'm landing on this. It was garbage time, but he's been so good in garbage time, he's earning more snaps during the game. And it's not that he hasn't been playing during the first couple quarters. He has been, but he's been on a shorter rotation. He hasn't gotten as many snaps as the other guys. He's earned the opportunity to see more snaps and do more things during the game plan portion of the show. The game plan portion of the game where... uh it's not we have to abandon what we were doing, throw the ball deep, hold on to the ball, and then you can go get to the quarterback. He was good against Auburn as well. I know he got, uh, I called it an effort sack earlier in the game. So he's been flashing, but that is the step forward that he needed to take, and he has taken it. So let's see some more action. Let's see what he can do. This is going to be a good test this week against a, a good Northwestern offensive line. We'll see how the, the Nittany Lions pass rushers do. Coming in at number four, it's hard to keep him this low on the list, but Abdul Carter comes in at number four because the guys ahead of him have just been playing more. Abdul Carter has 12 tackles on the season. They've all come in the last three weeks because he got ejected from the first game. Four tackles per game, pass breakups, sacks, pressures. He's been looking really good, especially last week in run defense, being able to scrape over the top. He seems to know where to be playing in the box. He's physical, confident, and aggressive everything you want in a linebacker. So Penn State, maybe they don't have a ton of depth and maybe the Mike linebacker position is still sorting itself out, but there is no lack of production from that Will linebacker spot. He's been very good so far this season. Uh, and Curtis Jacobs has been good too. It's just, we expected him to be good. I expected him to be a good football player and he's been a good football player. So Penn State now, uh, jumping up the depth chart. Now you've got what you were hoping for. Some of these young players are breaking out early on defense where we've got a five-star defensive end and a four-star linebacker, both making the list of major production uh, through the first month of the season. But it's hard to beat the production here. And again, this is why you can't, I don't think you can put Carter any higher because Zaki Wheatley's on this list. Three turnovers in four games. Um. He's been really good. He's been as advertised. His instincts for the position are great. And uh, I'll even leave off my caveats for him today because th there are some caveats, but we're just not going to talk about them because he's just been that good. He's been a difference maker, and he's kind of the defensive back that, that Manny Diaz's defense is looking for. Trust your eyes, trust your read, and go get the football. There was n That was a pure interception on... Uh, against Central Michigan in the first half. Playing deep free safety, he 
comes downhill. He reads the quarterback. He reads his eyes. He jumps the route. Now, great pressure on that play. I think it was from Chop Robinson. You get the floater from the quarterback, and then he goes and he he gets the ball. That's what it does. He goes and he gets the ball. So he's shown that he can do it from a deep alignment, from an underneath coverage alignment. He plays some uh, slot corner a little bit, you know, kind of that hybrid position. He's done a little bit of everything, and he's been good at it. So he's taken a big step forward, but a big step that, again, everyone was kind of expecting, given what we heard in the offseason. It was just, is it actually going to happen? Is all of that going to translate? And it has. It's created a situation where Tig Brown, you don't necessarily miss him at that position anymore. He's playing a very different role this year, much more blitzing. He's been very good at that. Uh, playing in underneath coverage, shadowing players, taking away some of those quick passes that uh, and denying some of those players and, and, and kind of riding up and, and corralling people in underneath coverage, playing much more in space rather than playing as a deep center fielder. But you still have a deep center fielder, so you didn't you didn't lose a step there. Penn State's defensive secondary is better than it was last year through the first month of the season for a variety of factors. Scheme is one of the parts, but the depth here is really good. And that was something that we talked about. Hey, maybe what do we think there? And it, it's so far it's broken the right way for the Nittany Lions. Speaking of that, let's get to PB University. The outside corners for the Nittany Lions have been locked down. All of them are in the top 20 in pass breakups in college football. Joey Porter Jr. leads the nation with nine, and teams stopped throwing at him after the first week where he got six. He got, a, I think, another two this past weekend uh, when, when he had an opportunity to actually make plays on the football when people threw the ball his way. But Johnny Dixon, Kalen King, I don't want to call it breakout performances because they've been good so far this season. Uh, I think people uh, gave Dixon a little bit too hard of a time for what happened in the first game against Purdue. but. Even if you want to call it a bounce back from that, he bounced back in a big way with an interception, pass breakup, and like textbook stuff. So a lot of the questions about this defense have been, can Penn State do this against X, right? It's always about Michigan and Ohio State. And if you fear Michigan State because of the boogeyman they've been for the Nittany Lions over the years, then throw them in there too. But the way that these guys are playing the discipline they're playing with, the athleticism and being at the catch point as routinely as they are, I think that these guys have the athletic ability to go toe-to-toe with all the boogeymen in the Big Ten. They'll give up some plays. They're not going to be this shut down throughout the season. You might get them on a couple double moves. That's something I'm going to be watching for because they have no respect for the team speed of the offense that they've faced so far through the month of the season. And they shouldn't like, you know, that's been part of the defense is corral these offenses into making bad throws under pressure and let your defensive backs go get the football. And they've been doing it now, converting some more of those into more interceptions and snowballing this to where it is to just run away. I think that's their goal, but they've been good. They've just been good. And part of the reason they've been just so good has been that quarterbacks are under unbelievable pressure from chop Robinson aside from a, a blip and in, in, in week zero where we were in training camp and I got to see him for the first time in person practice. And uh, you know, he was having a bad day. This has been one of the most exciting players to come to Penn state in a while from watching his film and now watching him through the first month of the season, explosive, strong through contact uses his hands. Great. And uh, you know, shout out to the no gloves look 
He was talking about that on Twitter the other day, and uh, it made me notice it. Not wearing gloves is kind of a flex at this point in football where everyone's wearing gloves and you're going out there barehanded like a but like a old school boxer in an alley. He's just been awesome. You know, the pressure, the sacks aren't there. So that's an, if you're looking for sacks and you're looking for, you know, him to rack up national totals. The effect that the defense has, and Manny D has a scheme of getting guys free rushes at the quarterback, like getting Dixon and Brown to the quarterback because they've got favorable matchups is, is based on pressure, but you've got to win your one-on-ones. And since the first week, Chop Robinson has been winning his one-on-ones. The quarterback is just getting rid of the football. That's been the game plan is you can't hold the football against Penn State because somebody's going to hit you. And maybe you'll throw an interception, maybe you'll sack, maybe you'll get a forced fumble at the end of the half and kill an opportunity to get points when you're playing a, a Big Ten foe and you're in the SEC. All of these things, like it's changed the way teams are allowed to attack the secondary. Two teams so far have kept the ball in the pocket for 2.29 seconds, which is insanely quick. That's basically you've eliminated a whole section of the playbook that you can't throw down the field on these guys because the pressure is unrelenting, overwhelming, and in a lot of cases, immediate. So five quarterback hits this year, 10 pressures, and only one sack. If teams are forced to, if the game goes late and teams have to throw to catch up against Penn State in the fourth quarter, Chop Robinson is still in the game. He's going to be getting some of those denied Dennis Sutton sacks. That's just how that's going to go. We saw it against Purdue. That's going to be how it goes in the future. The bummer here is that we have to end with stock down because we just ran through all the good players that have been playing really well. So now we got to end on, on kind of a bummer note, which if you're still watching the, the video, appreciate you uh, for watching. If you're still listening to the podcast, love you guys. But if you subscribe to the blue white illustrated YouTube channel, that would help out greatly. And if you are listening the best way to tell people about the Blue White Illustrated uh, podcast is to tell them about it, to subscribe and so that you get the auto download so that we get into your phone. We're talking to you Monday through Friday and Saturday when they're a football game. So six days a week, uh, we hang out together. Appreciate you guys. All right, stock down. Uh, we're going to say <laughs> Jonathan. Sutherland, I put him in here twice. Jonathan Sutherland in coverage is where we're going to start. Keaton Ellis with a stock down. Uh, T Frank's hype of Zane Durant comes in at number two and Daquan Hardy, the number one stock down player. Jonathan Sutherland has been uh, not exactly who you thought he would be as a linebacker. I think a lot of fans were worried about playing a former safety at linebacker. And so far, aside from last week, I'd say his run defense has been good. That's been the strength of what he's been able to do. He's been confident and he's gotten to his blocks. He has uh, last week. There was a great play where he just reset the edge of the offensive line on a pull play and allowed Abdul Carter to come in and clean it up. Or I'm sorry, Kobe King to come in and clean it up because he did such a good job of getting to his spot. He has been unafraid in run defense, but for the fans that watched him in coverage and said, listen, he's not good in coverage because he doesn't have instincts and all of those things. Doesn't matter where he's lining up. Yeah, that's been what it's been for the first month of the season. Last week was pretty bad. Uh, PFF charted him two catches for 21 yards. He, I think, was responsible for a bit more than that, uh, if I'm being honest. Some of his issues in zone coverage, those crossing routes that Central Michigan ran, he's 
his his eye discipline a little bit all over the place and his footwork of getting out of position so that he's not ready to then come downhill and attack things and underneath coverage communication has been another issue for him so just cleaning up some of those mental side of things will help him but sixth year senior you know I don't want to say he is what he is when when he's still playing pretty well overall. But if there's a weak point of the defense, the Penn State fans have been worried about. Some of that has been validated with his play so far. Uh, also on this list, Keaton Ellis. Zaki Wheatley, kind of like the running back situation. The other side of the coin is uh, when one guy's making a lot of plays and he's playing great and he's making impact plays as well, you shuffle some people off to the side. when you We haven't talked about Keaton Ellis the entire since the first game of the season. And he can still be a factor, and he can still make plays and get his hands on the football. He was getting into the 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 pass breakup party week one. It's just that he hasn't been there since. Also, he's missed five tackles in the last three games. So tackling and, and securing the ball carrier is job number one. So he's got to make sure he cleans that up um, and that he doesn't lose playing time to Zaki Wheatley, who's getting more confident making all of these plays. He's got to fight for his position, which he's acutely aware of don't need to tell him that. Um, but he hasn't been bad. It's just kind of the, the, the shining the light one way versus the other. Um, and by the way, we're not going with five here, kind of like on the first list. Like these are just the players that we can talk about. We're not going to manufacture five. So coming in next, I'll, I'll, you know, throw this up again, just so we all are aware. Zane Duran isn't the problem here. The fact that he's played 70 snaps of football and my undue hype about him throughout the season, uh, the preseason and the offseason is really what the problem is here. That's the stock down is D Frank's evaluation of of uh, of football players. And not maybe not even that, because he is athletic. He is making great plays in, next to deny Dennis Sutton in mop up duty. It's just it's been less noticeable because he's not a defensive end. And he's not uh, <laughs> he's not quite as quick, apparently, as, as Denai is. Um, but he's been he's been good in those situations. He just hasn't got as much playing time. He hasn't been the factor that we thought he might be early in the year. Given his the buzz about him throughout the year, but a defensive tackle who is a little bit undersized playing as a true freshman, he's still very much stock up. It's yeah, like I said, just you know, I, I you know when you're doing you you know you're doing something wrong, and you know like mm, mm, I shouldn't I shouldn't do that I shouldn't have another cookie I should not keep eating this chocolate. That was uh, that was me in the preseason of I knew the hype train was getting away from me and I just put my conductor hat on. So you live and you learn. The number one player though, and and this one is again not a question. Daquan Hardy struggles in the new defense have been pretty prominent. Um, so he's been targeted about as much as the other starting corners, right? And he's allowed more yardage, 144 yards. Um, but the problem is he's been on the field for less than half of the snaps of those other guys. Again, this year playing pretty much only in uh, pass defense and pretty much only on third down. He's given up uh, 15 receptions, uh, or I think it's 15 receptions, 144 yards, and. Uh, multiple first downs through the first three games on third down. Those are all problems. That's that is something that has to be addressed going forward, because if that continues, all the good work you did on first and second down is over. 
and then the the drive continues. So again, in this situation, I'm not quite sure what the issue is because he's still the same football player with the same talents. He's still got uh, great athleticism. He still was one of the best man cover corners for Penn State last year. I just I wonder if the the situation is different where it's just more and teams know to expect it and there's less support in underneath coverage. There's less players in coverage in general. So it focuses more and more of that spotlight on being perfect. And in the slot, and this is kind of a defense here, in the slot, you give up a two-way go. You have to protect the inside. So you can't let a guy run free across your face to the inside. So a lot of these plays that he's been given up have been kind of outbreaking routes towards the sideline. Can he improve on that? Can he improve on his his break and his confidence to do those things? I still believe Daquan Hardy is a great football player and he can bounce back from this, but he does have to bounce back from this. So that's where we leave it. Try to end on a good note of he's still a good football player. He's just got to start playing a little bit better. And by a little bit better, I mean what we laid out there. Uh, so once again, to wrap up our stock up for Penn State football players coming at number five, denied Dennis Sutton and the defensive ends in general have worked out and have progressed faster than I was expecting. And I think faster and in a situation that Penn State's got to be over the moon about that all three of their primary pass rushers in, you know, kind of the talent area are all playing really well. Shout out to Amin Vanover, who didn't make the list, but should have because I had limited to five. Abdul Carter coming in at number four. Zaki Wheatley, at number three. The Corners coming in at number two. And Chop Robinson at number one for the defense. So that'll do it. That's your stock up, stock down players through the first month of the season. We're going to revisit this in another, another month and see what's changed. If some new players make the list and uh, what else happens. So that'll do it for the BWI daily edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, your preview of Northwestern coming up tomorrow with uh, Sean Fitz and Nate Bauer. And then Friday, I'll wrap up the day the week with Ryan Snyder. That's all coming up this week. Talk to you then. <laughs>